Welcome to episode six of the Hooked Podcast by Cuzzy Bros Fishing. This episode's a pretty special episode. We've got a celebrity on, Al McGlashan. Uh, he took some time out of his busy day to talk with us. And uh, I've got to say, I was pretty excited to have him on the show. So sit back, enjoy episode six of the Hook Podcast with Al McGlashan. chance tonight we've got the uh the man himself al mcglashan on the hooked podcast the uh the main man from fishing with mates and for those people that have been around for a while strike zone so welcome to the hook podcast al oh it's bloody awesome i'm glad we finally organized it yeah it's it's it has taken a while but all good things come to those who wait that's the problem for me these days it seems to get so bloody busy and you just can't keep up with everything like this week, I said, right, I'm going fishing. So Monday, I, I went sword fishing. Tuesday, I went, I did a harbour run and then thought, oh, there's tuna down south. So Wednesday, I went down south. And then Thursday, oh, wait, must have been Tuesday, I went down south. Yeah, and caught tuna. And then Wednesday, I had to work. And then Thursday, I went, stuff it, I'm going back down. So I left at 3 o'clock in the morning, drove all the way down to Kiama, caught tuna, came back up last night, then spent all day in the bloody office today. No wonder I need a red wine after all this bloody work. I thought I thought fishing was work, mate. I thought so, you know, when you say I oh, just went tuna fishing, went fishing in the bay, I thought that was work. I didn't even take the camera crew or anything. I just went fishing anyway. When I stuff it, I'm going fishing. How'd so you every spare day, every day off I go fishing. Not that I get many days off, I'd bet. How'd you go with the uh the tuna? So we went out on Monday, went out with a bait uh or Tuesday, whichever first day I went, I'd say, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Uh, went out with Roddy Finlay, and he's just got himself a new bloody fancy grady white. And we got, we get that five from five, I think, that day, or four from four. And then where we went out yesterday, we got one as soon as the tuna started blowing up. And this is down at Kaima, like an hour south of Sydney. When the tuna started blowing up, we got one, and then a mate called up, goes, Oh, my Yamaha's not working. I went, What do you mean it's not working? He goes, I think I've done the fuel pump. And I'm like, that can only mean one thing for us. And that means, so we towed him in. And this is the worst part. We're towing in and there's tuna blowing up around us. <laughs> it's always the way, but you've got you to do the right thing while you're out there. Everyone, you've got to help everyone out. That's exactly it. And you know what? If it happens to me, and it's something like that's just something that goes wrong. You can't maintain for it. You can't, you know, it's just some things happen. And you always do it for all your mates because one day it's going to happen to you. It's the old theory of the guys up in the Great Barrier Reef have this, this plan that, or this, this theory that there's those that have hit the reef and those that are going to hit the reef. So sooner or later, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're going to hit it. So we might hit a log, we might get something in the fuel line. You know, you could have a brand new engine, whatever it is, faults go wrong. But while we're towing him home, these tuna are blowing up. That is the most worst torture I've ever had in my life. Gannets are dropping in, tuna are blowing out of the water. Roddy, who the guy I fished with on, earlier in the week, goes, 
yeah, I just got a couple around 50 kilos. I'm going. I won't say the exact words I said. <laughs> they can't fit on a podcast. You're not allowed beep after that. I'm like, Fuck. Yes, I know the feeling. But uh, we, it's funny how you mentioned that because uh, we, we'd been fishing over at Birmingham. We're on our way home and hit some rope in the water. Like we were doing 50, 60 odd clicks and hit some rope in the water and it slowed the boat right down and didn't, didn't hurt the engines. We were really lucky. But we went back to see what it was. I was like, well, you know, it was out of the blue. And then we pulled in, I'd say, nearly 50 metres of, uh, of like trawler line, that real big, thick blue rope. And it was yeah, all yeah. just bundled up and just dragged it in the boat. But it had mahi-mahi under it and heap of little crabs. And I was washing crabs out of the boat for the next week. Yeah, yeah, there'll be a heap of crabs on it. So, well, that's the thing. You don't know what you're going to... You know, like I run down Sydney Harbour probably 100 days a year. And there's logs and all types of stuff. And you know what? It doesn't matter how many people you have on watch, you can't see some of that stuff. Like you said, you're running in, you can't see it. You just yeah. hit it. So, you know, years ago, I did the same thing at Birmingham. ran in, picked something up, and I don't know what we got, whether it was weed or something around the bloody prop, and it got onto the intake there, and she overheated and just literally stopped. What do you do? Like, you can't do anything about it, you know? It's just... just yeah, part Act of the of game. God, I suppose. You know, yeah, it's nothing you can do. So it's just what it is. Yep. So obviously the tuna fishing, that's a good segue into your doco that's just about to come out, Life on the Line. I'm pretty excited about it. We've got tickets to it. So I'm going to see you on the uh, 6th of November down here in Melbourne. But, uh, mate, obviously that's been a couple of years in the making from what I'm gathering. So how did that come about? and what what do you reckon? Well, you know, this is the great thing about it. That for me, I caught those first. So the, when those bluefin first turned up. So as a kid, my old man told me about bluefin. He used to go to Bermagui and catch bluefin. Didn't catch yellowfin. You drive out the front. There's the birds. Catch bluefin. So as a kid, I never ever saw a single bluefin. Like they just didn't exist. Went down to the Victorian Game Fishing Club and went down to the tuna comp out of Portland. And no one caught one for three years in a row until they closed it. And I thought I'd never get one. I remember I was over in Western Australia fishing out of Exmouth. And one of my mates from down at Portland said, we've just caught an 80 kilo tuna. And I'm like, there's no way you caught an 80 kilo. They don't grow that big bluefin, you know. And so I changed my ticket. And this is how bad I was in those days. I haven't actually proved. I got changed my ticket from flying back to Sydney to flying to Melbourne got my brother who used to work for fisheries down there to pick me up and straight down to Portland. And the next day we caught three of them. And that was literally when it started. And in my life, I've never seen like, I never dreamed of catching hundred kilo bluefin. Then I ended up going to Tassie and catching one over hundred. Then came back to Victoria and caught that 155 kilo one. Then end up catching hundred kilo ones out of Sydney as well. And it, the funny thing is that what it did was just make me rather I suppose appreciate the fish for what they are and go, all I want to do is learn what happened and what we did to, like, I was never, ever going to catch a 100 kilo fish. Now I've caught them in three different states. And all I want to do is know what was going on. And when I started doing all the, the fisheries meetings, trying to put something back into fishing, I kept going, all I want to do is do a doco and just get all the people that played a role in this to turn this around because all you ever hear about the oceans is, Oh, it's stuffed. Everyone screwed it up. 
there's plastic in there, there's this, there's that, and all that. And you go, no, I want to know what, what are we doing right? Not what, not what are we doing wrong? What are we doing right that we can work on? And it took me, I think, three years to get it off the ground. And, man, I'll tell you what, it was a serious learning curve. Holy crap, did I. Because I've did, you know, fishing shows and doing a documentary is a whole new level. So, yeah, it's been the steepest learning curve. And if there's one thing, it was driven by passion because I just wanted to do it and do it right. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of your, your actual podcast and uh, I've been listening to it uh, religiously. And obviously you, you did a, a podcast there a while back on the bluefin tuna and, and all that sort of stuff. And some of the comments in there hearing about how, how we've, we've changed the management of our fishery and how we do things now compared to many, many moons ago. Like I remember as a kid fishing with dad and uh, his mate over at Burmy for the yellowfin comp, the, the Canberra game fish and yellowfin comp. And, uh, you know, having yellowfin everywhere under the boat and we've fished that comp for the last four four years and you know the it, you, there was only a couple caught this year only a couple caught last year and in the previous years there wasn't even any caught whereas down here in victoria the bluefin fishery has just exploded like portland port ferry you know it, it's it's phenomenal the fish that are getting down here i was lucky enough this year uh couple of weeks ago to get my first barrel so that was awesome and it was you know done on my boat with with a mate and uh it, it was it was awesome but just the fishing down here in victoria at the moment is phenomenal like the bluefin fishery is is off its head well you know the funny thing there so i'm an ex-mexican i moved to sydney so i could catch more fish yeah that right. was the whole plan that's what i did it for now i have to go back to bloody victoria to catch the fish i came to new south wales for and all my mates like Richie Bella and bloody Sammy Musket and all that go, you're not welcome back, Al. You left, it got better, and now you can stay up there. And I'm like, no, even the Kingies. I went down and filmed a show for fishing with mates. I had to come back to Victoria to catch Kingies because we can't manage them that well up here. You guys have got more in Victoria. And I'm like, oh, man, I went the wrong way. Like, this well, is ridiculous. Yeah, and, and it, it has. It's, you know, we've got the sword fishery over at Lakes. There's marlin being caught out of lakes we've got the kingies here in melbourne in in the bay like they're all in the bay there was even tuna caught in the bay earlier this year and last year um there's been barrels caught out the front of the bay this year and then you've got obviously all the the tuna all the way up from from here all the way up to south australia and that's the thing and this is what i love i remember one day i think it was last season there were 100 kilo fish being caught in New South Wales, 100 kilo, this is bluefin obviously, 100 kilo fish being caught in Tasmania and 100 kilo fish being caught in Portland. And that one day, no one caught 100 kilo, one out of um, South Australia, out of Portland Dollar, whatever it is. And you sit there going, 100 kilo fish in three, pardon me, in three different states on the same day. Fishing is just getting better and better. And I think... You know, you've hit the nail on the head really well. I think now we're better educated and we manage our fishery a lot better. You know, we don't go out and just take everything. There's a lot more people tagging fish. There's a lot more research going into it. Uh, so that's really good to see. And to me, this is a really important part. The first thing we need to do with the bluefin is understand. And everyone was carrying on earlier because we've got international. So bluefin are run by the conservation of the Conservation of Southern Bluefin Tuna, the Commission of 
the, conserva the Conservation Commission, whatever, CCSBT it is anyway, you'd think I'd have done a doc, I'd actually learnt the bloody terminology. And we have international agreements with this. And what we're trying to do now is because every single fish caught must be recorded by law. Yep. And what we've had in the past, and this is a learning process. So when I caught tuna originally, I just put them on the deck. I didn't know what to do with them. Then when I went and did stories on long lining and saw how you process a fish, I went, you can't just leave it there and take it in weigh it. You're meant to bleed it, you know, you're meant to gut it out. It takes still something like eight hours to cool the fish down cool. in zero degree brine, you know, like a one degree brine or whatever it is. Like, it's amazing. But now when we eat tuna, like we're teaching everyone up here, and when we did tuna champions, because the bluefin run was very slow in New South Wales, just because the current stayed to the southeast there, where they all sat, it was the best season for the commercial guys, but for the wrecks it wasn't. It wasn't because there were no fish. It was just purely because the fish went in the eddy to the south, the hot water stayed down, which meant we caught yellowfin. But it was showing everyone, and it's like I said about this education, is that catch a fish, gut and gill it, get it on ice, and it tastes insane. Tuna freeze really well, but it's all about that first three minutes when you catch it, how you process it. Learning process that we've learnt to do, you know, or sort of evolved with as recreationals. And like my old man would catch everything he caught, he kept because that's what you did in those days. And when we started marlin fishing, he couldn't understand all the effort went to catch this beautiful fish to let it swim away. And he goes, Oh, you could just take a couple of fillets off the back. <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't work that way, Dad. But this is, you know, now when we caught, like this week when we caught those tuna, within three minutes, they're gilled and gutted, bled down and in an ice slurry. And the same with Victoria. And this is a great thing that the whole tuna champion sort of, you know, ideal has been, is to show people this is what you do to make them taste sensational. They freeze better. They taste better. And the old days are weighing the whole fish. Just add 10% like you do for commercials. And why would you go to all that effort, catch something, and then not look after it? So, and what I love is... That recreational anglers as a whole are leading the way in conservation. You keep one fish or two fish because we now now know how to process it. We can look after it. Yeah, and I love that we've been leading the way like that. And I get so frustrated when you know the, the shit fight going in South Australia for snapper or you know all these things that are going on marine parks and all these things. You go, anglers are the best ones. Just teach them what has the right way to do it. You know, it's so frustrating. Yet these all these marine conservation councils and idiots that are all these morons that are either divers that just want to lock you out of their area so they get exclusive access, or some greenie that lives in the city that lives in the most changed environment on earth that feels guilty because they use up all the resources. That goes well. Let's go and blame the people that are in touch with nature. Yeah. Got I got a rant on today. I? I just can't no. stop myself. It's uh, it, it's good, mate, because you can see that you're you're passionate about what you do. I mean, that's always come through in your shows and and all that sort of stuff. I mean, obviously, my my dad got me into into fishing, and in that time, we had Rex Hunt and, and all those sort of guys around. For me, growing up, I've had people like yourself, Lee Rayner, all sort of coming through, and and. You're all the guys that I sit down Saturday morning or, or Sunday Arvo and, and watch the shows. And now with all the social media and everything like that, you, you can be plugged into everything and see exactly what's going on all the time. So having someone like yourself that's been passionate, delivered so much and has given so much back to the, the fishing community, 
is awesome mate and you know people should be tipping their hat to you for that i mean you've built your career and done everything but you've given back the whole way so that's hats off to you mate it's a good and good. do you know what that's an important part for me i think because whether you know i'm so passionate about it, i want it for my kids and for everything else that i want the next generation because my theory is not sustainability right i want to enhance it so if you and i go fishing tomorrow and we catch five bluefin our kids go out and catch 10. That's yeah. how I see it. So if they catch more, and I've been a bit, I wouldn't say pissed off, but I've, no, I have been pissed off that some of the celebrities don't get off their ass unless they get paid because I do it all for free. And I remember years ago, we had the Super Trawler stuff and we, I wrote up about it originally in the Telegraph and said, you know, they're under quota and all this, but I don't want some boat from overseas that's done dodgy things in other countries fishing in our waters. And... We went down to camera, we sorted it all, and then a bunch of our own people started yelling and carrying on that we're, I don't know, doing some secret squirrel business. Remember, you're taking a job away from a bloke. Yeah, that's right. These poor blokes. And they went off, and we had the boat sorted that it wouldn't fish. The only place it wanted to fish was New South Wales, south coast New South Wales, Bermagui, where all that bait sits, you know, along that 80 fathom line there from pretty much Jarvis Bay down the border. We had it sorted that they couldn't fish 40 miles from any port. And then these psychos from Tasmania went off their tree and it turned around and came back and fished. And I thought, this is our own people doing it. Like, it's just so frustrating. It's so logical. You've got to be, you know, you've got to understand that you're taking a job away from boat. Like these guys in South Australia, that the commercials overfished it. There was no question at all. They were allowed to do it. So partially it's government, partially it's them. But you're now taking their job off them. Yeah. So of course they're going to be. Like, if you and I were sitting there and they said, right, yeah, tomorrow you do not have a job, of course you're going to get angry. So that's the thing. But I feel that the wreck anglers are the true leaders in that conservation in all areas as a whole. There's a few idiots we've got to deal with, like anything, you know, people's yep. just speed, that's what it is. But the rest of us are genuinely leading the way because we want to see lots of fish. But we can't deal with lockouts. You know, we all want, I mean, it's the wreck anglers that are screaming for tighter bag limits. Surely is that fisheries job? Why is it us to yell that we don't, there should be tighter restrictions there and we want better, and like you said before, we want better research so we can understand. What are those swordfish doing in Victoria? How long are they there for? Are we killing the fish that are older or what are we doing, you know? Why is it always the wreck anglers that yell and scream to get better understanding of what's going on? It frustrates the hell out of me. You can see I keep going on and on. You can't even get a word here, but I keep going. No, nah, it's, it's all good, mate. It's all good. So, obviously, fishing with mates. Um, that's evolved a fair bit. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steer the conversation a bit different now. But uh, Bloody, it's about time you got me off this bloody stuff on conservation. Don't worry. <laughs> the, uh, the, the whole fishing with mates. Obviously, you've been lucky enough now to do a fair bit of traveling around the world. Where do you reckon your number one spot is for, for fishing? Had the opportunity, what is your, your dream fish that you would go and chase tomorrow? Okay, so the best spot I ever went to was Ascension Island, yep. which was in season one. And it was one of those, in, all I wanted to do was jump in. I've always loved tuna. But to go and jump in with 100 kilo fish and see them literally every day was out of this world. Like it was... If you're doing it as a business to do it as a show, we blew all the money on the trip just but to see and see these fish every day was insane. But then I've been to Papua New Guinea and you know, fished where 
they haven't seen a white man for 50 years and stuff, you know, those sort of things. Fishing in the US, which is insane fishing there with my mates Mo and Eric and Carter over there and then canoe fishing up here. The problem is there's so many awesome trips I've done that I go, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. As far as catching the next, the fish I really want to catch at the moment, the funny thing for me is I want to film them. Yep. So I want to film yellowfin bait balling or I want to film those bluefin off the Azores and the big eyes when they're, they're balling up the slimy mackerel. For me now, the big thing is I want to show people, and I think this is where photography is a really good conduit, that you can show them what we see underwater and so they can appreciate and go, we need to look after that. There is nothing wrong with taking fish home, but we want to look after it for the future. But if it goes to actually catching fish, I reckon I want to catch, well, I caught a tarpon last year, so it would be, I reckon a rooster fish would be one that I caught a few swords now, 10 years ago to be catching swords, and I put a lot of time in and basically didn't catch bugger or caught a couple, but catching a big one. But a rooster fish, a white marlin, which means, because I've caught all six billfish in New South Wales, but I haven't caught a white marlin, and obviously I'm not going to catch one in New South Wales, so I have to go all the way to the Atlantic for one of those. But if I could catch one of those, Cubera snapper, all those stuff in the Amazon, there's about 20 species in there I'd love to catch. But for me, it's also about the location. So there's these amazing locations to catch a fish I catch home. So you go to Mag Bay in Mexico and do this, do this striped marlin or something like that, or, or you go across to the, the Caribbean side and do those bait balling sailfish and, you know, you won't have enough time for me to go through it through all these. So many things. <laughs> no, it, it's awesome, mate. It's, it's, it's so good. Someone on the show that's so passionate about it and can just continue to talk about it. Like, uh, uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm still a bit starstruck, I'll be, I'll be, be honest. But uh, uh, It's overrated. Don't worry about that. There's a lot better people out there than me. At the it, end of the day, we only do a fishing show. There's people saving lives and stuff. You know, it's like we're not even raging. Don't worry. Nah, mate. It's, uh, you know, like obviously I, I've done done 21 years in the army now and this is this is my way of de-stressing jackie and i get out on the water and go fishing and we get to spend quality time doing that and i, I think that's one of the the awesome things that i love about fishing it just brings so many different people together and it's a level playing field like you don't need a big expensive boat to go and catch quality fish you can just go down fish off the bank you know, you can, you can do all this sort of different stuff, but it brings so many different people together, so many walks of life together, and you can just sort of sit back, relax. You can go and fish really hard and fish tournaments and be competitive. And, and you know, so if that's the side of you that you're trying to get a scratch an itch. But, yeah, I mean, there's so much to it. And having someone like yourself, like I said, that's given so much back to the sport and is now shifting gears to the, the video side of the house and the photography side of the house and really showing people what is out there, it's, it's pretty good. Well, it is. And for me, the important part there is like, for, it was interesting when I, because I always fished. And you know, when you go out and in the early days when we caught marlin at Bermagui, and I still remember this day, and I cut, we came and we caught two marlin, let them go, and we got the ramp and, you know, the normal thing, walk, Blake walks down and goes, how did you go? And we went, got a couple of marlin. He looks at the boat, looks at us and goes, where are they? And I went, we let them go. And this is back in the 90s, you know. And I went, we let them go. And he goes, no, you didn't. Yeah, no, they're too, they're too pretty, mate. I couldn't kill them, to be honest with you. And he goes, you didn't catch them and walked off. <laughs> and I'm like, right. So I went and got a camera and started taking photos. And then as I started taking more and more photos, showing what we see out there, going, 
this is what people should appreciate because you know you catch a beautiful big fish, you hang it up and you weigh it or whatever you do at the end, and it's just this grey, dull piece of crap basically. Yeah. But that fish in the water was insane and lit up and amazing. And that was the initial sort of motivation to get it out there so I could show people what we do. Because you can't tell them, you know, you can't explain enough to go, oh, I had this striped marlin come to the back of the boat and tried to eat the bait and it stuck its head over the side and it was lit up blue. You know, you had to wear sunglasses to look at it. And people just go, oh, yeah. And you go, then you pull out a photo and they go, that's insane. You know, and they look at it going, that's a bloody beautiful fish but that's the same thing like you said before fishing your old man taught you to fish my old man taught me to fish fishing is one of the greatest family sports whether it's your dad teaching or your mum teaching you or your granddad or your uncle it doesn't matter who it is or your grandma that we have and we're losing that in this this day and age because we're all working harder it means bloody hard these days and we should be doing more of it as a de-stress that back to nature thing where you hunt fish, sit by a river, sitting there with your family. Like we fished the other day. When we were pulling my mate Rush in, when we are towing his boat in the other day, we are sitting there chatting about all our hunting and fishing and everything in between, going, how amazing is it? That's what it should be. Instead, you know, this day and age where the kids are sitting on their bloody phones and computers, they don't talk to each other. They text each other when they're standing next to We've got to get them and we've got to get them back outdoors it doesn't matter what you do, skiing, canoeing, fishing, full driving, because you can't look after nature unless you get out and actually appreciate it. You can't appreciate it sitting in your suburban jungle drinking lattes. No, you're 100% right, mate. You are, yeah. And coming back to those fish, like the second episode of our podcast, I had one of the guys that looks after me, Jace from Colorado Lures. He, he was, you know, we're sitting there and we're doing our interview like we're doing now and I got a lure off him called the mint. It's the, it's a one-off lure. It's got $2 coins in its head for eyes and stuff. We got this thing made up and I'm like, mate, I want to get a barrel on, on this lure. This is, this is my favorite lure. I want a barrel. And this year I did it. When we had it beside the boat, that fish was just like, I felt really bad putting a gaff in it if I'm brutally honest, but it, it was beside the boat. The colors of it were phenomenal. Like, and, and, that was the first time I'd ever seen a tuna over 100 kilos next to our boat and, and actually in the water and seeing the colours, how it was lit up and just everything, like, it was phenomenal, mate. And we, we got some decent GoPro footage, but having someone like yourself that videos it for a living and can take all those proper video shots and really show the true colours and how beautiful these fish are that's what the people need to see. I, you know, I go back to work and I explain it to them. We had, we had marlin at the back of the boat and there was, there was this massive bait ball and there's stuff going everywhere and no one gets it. You're, you're just like, oh, I've seen it on David Attenborough. And you're like, yeah, until you've actually been there and seen it. it you, can't, you can't explain it. But the important thing you said there, and this is the important part for being a true hunter or fisherman, is there's always that second of sorrow when you kill them. Like every animal I've shot over the years, because I only do it for me, and every fish I've killed, I always feel that split second of sorrow that you go, you know what, I'm taking this fish, but I'm feeding my family at the same time. And if you don't waste any of it, you utilise the whole fish, you can never feel bad, but that's that true sign of a genuine fisherman that you, you, know, you go, oh, I can't believe I, did, you know, I didn't want to kill it, but it's part of what it is because you need to feed the family at the end of the day and you fully utilise it. 
But for me, that's why I do those photos so you can show them and go, this is what it is. There's nothing wrong with bringing one home to eat, but look how beautiful that fish is. And all these you know, greeny dickheads that are always carrying on and giving us all a hard time, they've never seen one. How can you, how can you fight with the people? And doing the bluefin to- doco, just going back to that, working with the, the commercial guys, most of them, not all of them, most of them are just as, res- just as respectful to the fish as we are. It's a job. But they love them the way we do with absolutely no difference. I've got one of my good mates, Shane Ralph, who's a long liner, who I met. And the reason we met was that, you know, wrecks and commercials hate each other. You know, you're competing for the same resource. There's a natural tension between us. And I met him by accident. I said, "Rightio, I don't agree with what you do, so you need to take me fishing. And his exact words were, we can't put that in the podcast, but with <laughs> no. It was along the lines of no. And I said, no, I have an opinion, but I've never done it. So what I want to do is I'll go to sea with you. I'll take photos. I'll write a story. If we agree to disagree, we'll shake hands and walk away. I respect your opinion. You respect mine. And he goes, yeah. And at the same time, I think it was Fishing World or someone had written up about a long liner that had caught 5,000 marlin or something stupid they'd written up and end up being his boat. But he'd only caught a few fish. But they'd exaggerated and bullshitted. Never been out with them. To make a long story short, I ended up talking him into it. We went out fishing. We are now, like I was at his wedding the other day, and we're now the best of mates. We disagree on some things, but at the end of the day, we both have the same same outlook to everything. We both want lots of fish, and he is just as mad keen fisherman as we are. Probably madder, actually, I'd say. He's freaking keener than we are. But And I looked at it and went, we're looking at this the wrong way. We need to get everyone together. They've got some doing the wrong thing in their fishery. We've got a lot doing the wrong thing in our fishery. Hang on a second. We all want the same thing. Let's start working together. And when, So I interviewed him for the Bluefin doco, and you get along like a house on fire. Even though we've got, you know, you've got minor differences, the end goal is exactly the same. And I love fishing with them now. I've got longlining just to go and take photos and sit back because we're catching fish. And what's the one thing we all love doing? We love catching fish. Yeah. So, you're right. you know, and it's getting everyone working together and understanding. It. The next step is to get the good conservationists, not the psycho terrorist or any ones, the ones that understand and want to work with you and go, okay, we can develop this and all work together. We want you to fix this. So, with the, with Shane with Longlining, once we did the stories, they end up being on TV. So, the old, he did, we did a story in Blue Water, showed what they do and how they do it how many fish they actually catch. He's never had his gear cut off by recreational since. And now we get along with heaps of them. The other day when I was fishing with Roddy, one of the longliners was talking down south and he said, oh, there's heaps of whales and tuna blowing up. Roddy goes, oh, where are you? He goes, oh, 55 down. Now, 10 years ago. Wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have happened. And there's still some old school ones there that got some seriously wrong attitudes that need to be sorted out. But the next generation, you want it where they're all working together. We've had years ago where this is a classic example of working together. We were catching um, bluefin off Sydney and we had Sean Tracy doing the, the satellite tagging. He flew in. We'd gone a heap the day before and he flew in the, the following night. And anyway, a couple of longliners rang up and said, oh, we're fishing JB, the fisher moved north. Do you think you'd mind us fishing beside you? And Todd, who was there, and he, he said, I don't want to go and sit on top of the wrecks or doing the wrong thing. He said, no, you're fine, mate, come up. 
So they came up, they end up fishing a bit wider. They found the fish. And one of the guys called us up on the, um, uh, not the Sea Angel, on the, uh, one of the boats. Um, Ratsy rang up and said, oh, this is right on dusk. Goes, Al, I've got the fish at the back of the boat. Do you want me to feed them? And you can come out and start tagging. And it was like, we were 40 miles out. It was dead flat. He was another 15 miles out. So it's a big run. I went on my way. And there's a video on YouTube that he filmed of us running in on, on him, on, on the Angelica he's on in those days. He, we came running in, swung right in next to him. So he wasted his bait to feed fish. And they're only 40 kilo bluefin, so they're too small for him to feed them till we turned up so we could sat tag them so that we could all learn about them. And that is the example of everyone working together. And we even gave him a rod, and you should have said it. So he hooked up. He had the Stella there. He's dropped it down. There's 3,000 bluefin swimming around the boat. He's hooked up. He's fighting it. And he's like, five minutes. He just turned around and gave it to the crew and said, wind that up. <laughs> the crew are looking at him going, what? And he goes, he yells out. He's only like 10 minutes. Or he goes, that's crap. Why do you do that? That's just bloody hard work. Made the crew wind up. Let the fish go. And just goes, yeah. But isn't that a great way of showing that everyone should be working together going forward? To me, that's just such an important thing, you know. And let's get the whole lot together. Let's get the whole community together. See, I've gone off in the back on the same tangent. No, no, it's, it's all good. It's, you know, it, you, you're right. There, there has been a lot of shift in the way everything's done. And, and you know, social media has helped a lot with that. Uh, people are working a lot, lot closer together now. You're right, there's still the idiots out there and there's always going to be those idiots Never out there. change. Whether it's commercial or rec, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, there, there's always going to be those people out there. That's just how it is. But the, the vast majority of people are there to do the right thing and it, it's, it's awesome, mate. So it's a, it's a happening thing. It is. And look, it's getting better and better. And that's what we do with, even with fishing with mates, just try and show... The whole thing of fishing is doing it with your mates. That's the whole crux of what we do out there and, and experiencing those things together. And that's why we built that show around the idea of, you know, fishing with all your mates and sharing and giving them heaps of crap because that's the Aussie way. You know, you got to give them yeah, shit. Yeah. If they do well, give them more shit. If they do badly, just give them heaps. Yeah, no, nah, you're right, mate. So um, obviously the doco is done and dusted now. What's the next big big thing that Al McGlashan's got lined up? Like, what do you, what do you got in your gun sights and what are you looking at doing next? Well, the gun sights are probably a different thing because I need to shoot a deer for dinner at the moment. So, Sam, we're in trouble next week, but we'll go past that one. So, the next one is I want to do another. So, Fishing with Mates season, what are we up to? Season 7, I think it is. That goes to air 20th of October on Channel 9 and they'll run here. Then it'll go to Sportsman's Channel in the U.S., and I'm not sure if it's going to Netflix at the moment. They never tell us. So, But next year, I want to start doing another doco. I want to do one on striped marlin because I reckon that's a unique species. If, you, if you're going to do that, if you're going to do that and you need someone to, uh, to be on the reel for you, I'm, I'm, I'm available. I'm just letting you know straight up. So I know well, you, you want can to wind them all up because I'm, we had, I'm in. our biggest problem is getting someone to wind them up. Every time the road goes, everyone runs away and goes, I've wound too many of these bloody things in. Man, well, I'm the sure. other day. I pulled the, we had two on, this was last, not last season, last season, crap, the season before, we had two on, and I've hooked up, and I'm, I'm winding the third baiting, sorry, as it comes to the boat, this striped marlin comes screaming up and tries to eat at the back of the boat, 
grabs the back of the bait and I'm ripping on it to get it off. And they go, what are you doing? I went, he's trying to eat it. They go, that's what we're here for. I'm like, I'm not wanting one. You two are on. That's enough for me. So, yeah, I've probably got the wrong attitude with that. So, yeah, you could go wind them all up for us. I hate winding the bloody things in. We had the uh, – the this year's been awesome for us on the on the strike marlin. Like, we last year was a massive, massive learning curve for us. I mean, we'd uh, we'd never really targeted billfish in the past. And uh, Tyrone, one of the guys over at Bermagui, sort of took us under our wing, under his wing, really helped me refine how we're – we're doing things. We still haven't got the the switch baiting down pat, and we're still a bit rusty on the on the bait ball and thing. But we're getting there. But this year, Jackie got her first striped marlin, and we worked really hard for that to to get her on that striped marlin. But she she re, we put a tag in it and sent it on its way. So that was awesome. And then the very next day, we tagged eight in one day and had Dad and myself hooked up on a double, which we got both of. And Jackie was driving the boat in amongst all this mad boat traffic and, and we had stuff going everywhere. Marlin in two different directions. I actually was up on the front of the boat fighting the fish for, for 15 minutes. Then back down the back of the boat with Dad and we, got it, we, we ended up putting tags in both of them. And that has been one of the, to this day, that has been one of the biggest highlights of my whole fishing experience like just being able to share that with both dad and my wife like has, has been phenomenal so that is the best part of it isn't it that you yep. get to share it with your family like my kids catching their first marlin coot my younger one is mad keen had a grand slam by i think he was eight or nine he already got all three billfish and he's like and the first fish he lost was like 150 180 kilo swordfish that's the first billfish he ever lost and he's cracking the sad so i'm like you deserve that. Just start to clear them up. That took years. You know how hard it is to catch a bloody billfish in the old days. Yeah. Now some of these young upstarts just go and catch them. Go, I didn't get three. And you go, mate, you don't appreciate it. Trust me, it was bloody hard. I took years to catch my first one. And now, like I go, oh, we only caught four today. Um, you know, we hopefully get five tomorrow, you know. So that's the thing. And probably some of them don't realise how hard it used to be. Like there were no billfish. You didn't see them. Yeah. Now, and it- it, yeah, you're one hundred percent right, mate. Like, it, it, Dad and Rod uh, fished together for 20, 25 years. They still fish together. I've had them out on on my boat, and it's Bill and Bob, the flower pot man. It's it's shenanigans, but anyway, that's a whole another topic. Um, so Rod had fished with Dad for all that time, and they'd only ever caught Dad's blue marlin, which went a hundred and five kilos uh, for a tournament that they fished out of Burmy back in the day, and. Um, Rod had been trying to get his his first marlin, you know, all that time, and I, I said, right, we're going over to we're going to go over to Burmy. We're going to get Rod his first marlin. Come out on the boat, and everything just lined up. It was one of those days where, yep, driving out of the the marina, I I, I just had that gut feeling. We got out there, and bang, within I think we we're only out there for an hour, and the uh, the short rigger went off, and we were hooked up, and he, yeah, it was the first marlin for the boat. First marlin for Rod, first marlin on me brand new Tiagra 50 wide. So, uh, you know, we got the marlin by the side of the boat and I was like, what do you want to do? You want to tag it or whatever? And Rod's like, no, nah, I want to I want to take it. And I'm like, okay, no problem. So we, and we ate every bit of that thing, but. That's the good part. There's nothing wrong with it. And this is the thing we get is this catch 22 where you either have to let them all go or you have to keep them all. And it's like, no, there's a balance. If you go and smoke it or utilise it, there's nothing wrong with eating it, so long as you utilise the whole fish. So one of my good mates, Jim Penny, he's got a couple of mates, and the other year we showed them, they caught one and kept it. And and someone's going, oh, I can't believe you killed it. I went, 
No, you're feeding the family. If you utilise the whole fish, there is no issue. And this is this thing where we've got this weird balance that, you know, they either go extreme one way or extreme the other way. It's, no, there's a balance. If you utilise the whole fish and waste nothing, you're respectful to the fish and looking after it. And they're okay striped marlin in our waters. They've got troubles and others. They've just been classed as overfished in the Indian Ocean and stuff. But if we take the odd one and eat it and utilise it, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, it's such a... Yeah, you get these greenies going, I can't believe you killed one. I had a massive, it was an interesting one. So when I caught that big swordfish, again, this is the interesting thing. And it's a big swordfish is lucky to be 10 years old. And if you catch a big fish, the social media trolls go off their tree. They oh, go yeah. absolutely haywire. And you know what? They're not greenies. They're bloody fish. They're your own, supposedly your own people. And this bloke was carrying on going, you're a bloody disgrace for killing that fish. Now, to give you an idea, when we're chopping, this is a 230-kilo swordfish. When we were chopping it up, people keep sniffing around, probably the same people that give me a hard time, trying to get a bit of it. I'm giving none of it away. I'm giving none. I eat the whole bloody thing, even to the point where Lee Rayner was fishing next to us and he had a little sword and a mako. And he goes, oh, do you want a little bit of mako? And I went, yeah. So I took that. And then when he's not looking, I'm like, he doesn't really need all that swordfish. I might just take a bit of his off. So I'm taking a bit of his swordfish as well. Just I got it mixed up, you know, that's what it was. Took it all. And some bloke goes, oh, you're a disgrace. You just wasted that fish. So I just spent, this is two days of processing down because you've got it all, in, you know, the good thing with sword, it keeps so well. So it's all in freezer bags and then we cryovac it all down. It takes a couple of days. And this dickhead starts going, that's a disgrace killing that old fish, rah, rah, rah. So I looked at his page. Here he is with all these 25-pound snapper that are all bloody 20 years old, twice as old as the swordfish, carrying on. I went, we don't need greenies as an enemy. We just need dickhead fishermen that crack the sads. And I just went, social media is the best and worst thing ever for us. Our own people cracking the sads. And I thought, I bet you didn't even clean those fish properly because we, you know, you didn't even look after it because it's a bigger fish. They crack the sads just as long as you eat it. That's the thing. Well, yeah, a lot of people don't understand the growth rates of all the different species of fish and all that sort of stuff. And they're the ones that are our worst enemy. Like they're the ones that, you know, like you said, are those social media trolls that will just get on there and they see that big fish and they're they're straight into it. So you got to take. And it's it. funny, and it's funny how little fishermen know in some cases about the fish they catch. Like you ask the average bloke, what is the age of what age does to yellowfin spawn as opposed to say bluefin or they look at you and go I don't know they go what type of bird is that and they're like I don't know I spent I remember it as a kid I realised that birds were so important at sea so I sat there in the old days before the internet was like famous in the library reading all the books on birds and I got in trouble because I borrowed some of the books took them to sea so I'm holding up going oh that's that's yeah that's a prion or that's an Australasian gannet or that's a bloody you know a, um, a wandering albatross. The books did not go back in the same condition they came out. I can trust me. And I just slipped them in the little box and left them. Of course, I get the red note going, you have to pay for these two books. I went, they've got water damage. How would you get water damage? Fresh water use But yeah, it's all that studying about them and learning everything you can because it makes you a better fisherman. So uh, on, on that then, all right, so say someone that's listening to this podcast and they're they're planning on going out and and targeting 
I don't know, a marlin or their target fish. What do you reckon the best bit of advice is that you can give them for setting them up for success, going out, catching their next fish? The key is above all else, it doesn't matter what lure or what bait or whatever you do, it's fishing where the fish are. So there's two parts to that. One is now social media make it much more accessible. But there's also a lot of crap on there, a lot of bullshit. And fishermen naturally want to have lots of fish, so they tell everyone there's fish around. So you need to decipher that and work out exactly where the bite is, who caught the fish, what day it was, look at the SSTs and be on the bite. So we call it following the bite. So as it moves up and down the coast. And the beauty we have here in, in New South Wales and Victoria is we've got lots of fishermen so you know who's catching what where. And it's being on top of it. And you get the odd dickhead that calls up the radio and puts out the wrong coordinates, which it should be. As far as I'm concerned, that's a hangable offence. You know, if you don't want to tell them, don't tell them. But don't put dodgy marks up. But that's the first thing. So getting genuine information. Okay, we just heard Bermagui's got a really good bite. Is it Bermagui or is it down at Marimbula or is it up at Aruma? Find out who caught fish on what day. And I can get harsh with it. I sit there and go, you know, I want to know everything to what colour undies they're wearing by the end. Because sometimes the report comes back. I had one. Blake was telling me in Sydney how... His mates caught all these big yellow fan. It was going off. I went, oh, great. He said, oh, have you got any photos? First thing I asked. Oh, oh, yeah. And I said, who was your mate? What boat was he on? Where was he fishing? Yeah, to make a long story short, he finally pulled out photos that I'd put up on Instagram. They well, were you... my fish from a week ago. That's all right. He He's just think... sharing your good news, mate. Yeah, but he didn't know where he caught them or what it was. He just said, my mate caught them yesterday. Well, I caught them bloody 10 days ago, way down the coast. I went, they're my fish bite, you know. And so that's that's a learning process. We've got a really good network of commercial and recreational up and down the coast. So we know who's, and most of them, someone's fishing every day. And we share it. And it's really that sort of inner circle that you can be a part of it. The minute you don't tell them and do the old secrets, oh, I'm not going to tell them, and you're out. But it's unreal when it works because it's like, radio. And you get the good blokes to go, the water was doing this because they mightn't be there the next day. They might move south. Oh, look, the bait was thinning out during the day or I noticed the current picked up by, by not. So we know the fish are going to move. Okay, they're going to be down the hill. So doing those sort of things is really important. So it's using the information but being, I wouldn't say harsh, but being strong-minded because people go, yeah, they're going off. So Blake rang me while we were out tuna fishing yesterday and goes, Oh, mate, you should be a Kayama. It's going off every boat's catching fish. I went, I'm at Kayama right now fishing and no one's catching fish. We're marking them, but they're not on yet. They'll come on. Oh, my mate caught them there a week ago. Well, it was a week but ago. That's a week. I'm talking yesterday. If it's not yesterday, don't care. So that's probably the biggest thing. And then prepping your gear. Everything needs to be done before you go to sea. So, because so many people pull up and go, oh, now where's all the gear? Um, have we got the leaders? My leaders are getting out, ready to go. I told the guys going, radio, 10 minutes till we're pulling up. So we're live baiting for Marlon at Burmy. Start coming in on the grounds going, right, I'll slow down, have the bait jig ready to go. We've got this bait that we picked up inshore. Um, have a look around. Radio, good bait there. Radio, start jigging, live is out, bang. You're fishing instantly. Rather than pull up and go, Ah, uh, someone get a bait jig out of the packet. Um, did you spool up that reel? No. Oh, hang on. We have to. When you're on the water, you're fishing. 
Yeah. Because if you haven't got a bait in the water, you're not catching fish, full stop. So, so people hate getting on my boat because of that. We're, uh, when it comes to that sort of stuff, mate, I'm pretty anal. And I think that comes from work, having everything in its place. Each reel's numbered. Everything's got a place. If it doesn't go back there, I'm losing my shit at people. I'm like, what? 100%. What are you doing there? That isn't where that lives. Put it back there. This is where this goes. Why isn't that ready? What's this done? So You need uh, a procedure. And you know what? You've got the best example at... You don't go to war and just go willy-nilly. Everything is set. It's regimented. This is why it works. You'd be surprised. Yeah, okay. It's not the best example, <laughs> but, but it should be. And we're on the same the boat. Wind the pliers back in the same spot because if the shit goes wrong, you go for the pliers and go, where are they? Oh, oh, they're over there. No, everything goes in its spot. Everything. Why is the deck? They pull the lures in and put them on the deck. It's like, yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, nah. Get them off the deck. Put it in the side pocket. This is what happens. We go through. It's probably an important part. So when we're, we've got newbies on board, we go, this is what happens. This is exact. So first thing we do is a safety procedure, even though it's just a wreck boat. If there's an emergency, this is how we're doing them. Especially when they go, you know, if there's a fire on board, you can have the fire extinguisher. I'm gone. Fiberglass boat, it's yours. I'm out of here. But when we're fishing, you go, okay, so this is what's going to happen. The rigger will come down on the boat will go, you'll pick the rod up. You've got your back to me, so you need to tell me exactly what is happening. Losing line steady, uh, nothing happening, nothing happening. Um, bait weight. If you've got a light weight, we'll be able to tell from what we can see. Oh, right, okay. So then, and the crew member tell them as well, because we, we have normally the same crew. So they know what to do rather than, you know what it is, just sit there, start trolling, rod goes off, who's on? Um, because um, yeah. everyone runs away from the rod when it goes well, not, off. Not, not on our boat, mate. Jackie will be asleep up the front of the boat, and as soon as she hears one of those reels go, elbows down the back, defend like you don't even want to be anywhere near her as she's coming out of the boat. Like, she could be a starting ruck player for an NRL team, mate. Like, she is, and you know, the best thing the girls are better fishermen than the guys because we're brute force, they've got rhythm, and, and the you, girls. We'll outfish yep. us every day. You're 100% right. She's got this awesome technique. Um, I'm probably a bit biased as well, but, I mean, she's... she's you have to be, you know. You just yeah. have to be a little bit, all right? <laughs> she, she's got it down pat, and it, it's it's funny because, like I said, she'll be asleep, like totally dead to the world, and then next thing, that rod goes off, and it's like, bang, she's up, gone, straight down the back, and everyone's clearing gear, and she's she's into it. So it's... Yeah, uh, she can fish with us. She'll be perfect for it. So we don't have to. We have the biggest fight we have. Is everyone goes? I wound the last one up. I'm not doing this one. Well, Sit like there. I told you, mate. When you start ready to do that docker on the marlin, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'm in. I'll, I'll wind in everyone that you want wound in. I'm not afraid. That's, it's all right. I'll be in the water before then. I'll have gone. I'll be like, you deal with that. I'm just jumping to go and film them. Don't worry about that. It's well, better in the water. The, so obviously, there's that famous photo that you've got of the marlin beside the boat with the mako that that come in. And I've been every time I see that photo, I'm, I'm, I've, I've always wanted to ask you. So I've got the opportunity now. So I'm going to take advantage of it. Did you shit your pants when that thing come in? Because I'm telling you right now, every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, I'm walking on water. Like I will literally be surfing across the water, gone. I'm not hanging around. I'm out of town. Well, there are a couple of things. The first thing that what happened was, is that it came past and pushed me out of the way. So as I dropped back to get the shot of the marlin swimming off, I felt this whoosh. I've turned around, this massive grey thing 
is attached to the mile and like a meter in front of me. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, because your mind can't comprehend this stuff. And I'm looking at it going, right, there's a massive shark. But the problem is, the guys are still holding the marlin by the bills. So they're right next to it. No one is reacting. So I'm looking under the water going, I did have a few red wines last night, but that is still a bloody massive shark attached to the marlin. Look up above the water. They're still holding the fish. Look at underneath. That's still bloody big. So your mind is going, why is no one reacting? They're closer to it. They're like, so Phil Bolton from Fisheries is holding it by the bill. And this thing is right there chewing on it. So anyway, so it took a second or two. And you know what? I never shat myself. All I thought was, oh, God, I hope this is in focus. That's the only <laughs> and it was the first day ever I put cameras, and this is before we even had GoPros and all that, I put a VO camera on. And as I went to jump over the side, I turned and went, oh, at least we'll get a good angle from above. Put it perfectly so it's in frame. And it was the first day ever on my Aquatech housing. I had a camera attached to it, so I videoed as well. So when I jumped in, and unlike GoPros that never seemed to bloody work, I've got this really good shot. When the shark pushes me out of the way, it looks really cool and it's a big shark. And he's going, yeah, right. Where were you? I went, I'm in the water, mate, next to the shark. It pushed me over. It's not in the boat. It's in the water. He goes, are you telling me you can see yourself on the camera with the shark pushing? I went, are you not listening to me? So I went on for five minutes. He goes, right. I'm sending camera crew to Port Stevens tonight, right now. Can you come straight to shore? And I went, no. Nah. So your internet just slowed right down right when you got to the uh, the really thing. And all I got was, uh, 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 and I'm sitting here going, what the hell? And Jackie's looking at me. And I'm like, no. So, oh, it must be MBN. It must be that new stuff. Oh, wait, no, I'm with yeah. Telstra. They're awesome. <laughs> so so are we apparently the MBN. It's a winner. Oh, it's bloody great! Yeah, it's stopping and starting. It's friggin' any country in the world. We're a little bit backward in this country, I tell you. Yeah. So look, mate, it's uh, it's been awesome having a chat. Um, so I'm I'm gonna wrap it up there. I'm sure you've got better things to be going and doing. But uh, yeah, mate, it's it's been awesome having a chat and. Look, I really, really appreciate you taking your time out of your, your busy schedule to uh, to jump on and, and have a chat. Really appreciate it, mate. Anytime. I'm going for another red wine.